even if you're a leader that has a lot of levers that you pull and that's good and you should obviously use those levers um, because leadership is fleeting in the terms of the amount of time you have to do it. So get on it and do it. But more importantly, I think is kind of what you do day to day. And I, I don't want to hold myself out in any way as someone who knows how to does things right. There are many things I do that damage the environment. I mean, I fly around a lot. It's, I'm burning the plants. So I, don't, I don't want to give some sense that I am a monk-like person that does it. But there are certain things I try and do. Like I, it's just in the day-to-day. Like when I'm, I'm in a hotel, I'm very conscious about the number of towels I use. Just re- what are small things that you can do? Are you going grocery shopping? I don't try and ever use plastic bags or bring a bag. And again, this is really minor stuff, but I think if you you don't try and have some habits that's kind of reinforce it every day, you won't do as much. It helps reinforce it. So being a little more grounded, I think, is is important in how you personally use resources. Hi, this is Joshua Spodek, and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science. We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you. Hear their struggles. And then act. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to commit to a public, personal challenge of your own. You're not alone, and you don't have to wait for others. Outside the MBA world, not everybody knows McKinsey. Within it, and at the upper echelons of business and government, McKinsey advises some of the largest and most influential organizations, including governments and the world's largest companies. So if a company wants useful advice, it has to share everything, which means McKinsey is privy to the insides of the most influential people and companies. McKinsey itself is hierarchical. After business school, people generally start as consultants. They move up and become partners, later directors, eventually there's managing director, and eventually there's global managing director. Today's guest, Dominic Barton, was a three-time global managing director of McKinsey. So that means that Dominic was a leader among leaders whose job is to influence leaders among leaders of their organizations. So this guy knows leadership, and in particular, high stakes with great ramifications, which sounds to me like the environment in our world today. To me, one of this podcast's greatest revelations was that environmental change will come effectively by leading people. Technology, innovation, regulation, taxes, and so on. Those things may change, but people drive all of those things. And if you want to change the environment, you have to change people. My goal in this podcast is to bring effective leadership to the environment. Every knowledgeable person says we can. The question is, will we? Will. That's the domain of leadership. Not engineering or science or education or journalism or the usual places people look to for change. Today's episode brings the upper echelon of global leadership to the environment. By the way, Dominic's schedule is crazy, so phone was the only way to make it. So I'd rather bring you globally renowned guests on what sound quality can get. So the sound quality is not quite perfect, but let's listen to Dominic. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spodak. I'm here with Dominic Barton. Dominic, how are you? Very good. Good to talk with you. Glad to be here. And first of all, I'm really glad to have you. I've been watching and reading a lot of your stuff and you fit the pattern that I see all the time of there are a lot of places that are from the outside, people view them as very competitive. 
And then the leaders I find are, are incredibly personable and open and sharing. And uh, you fit that pattern. Do you see that pattern as well? Yeah, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, it's hard to get to know people just by media or what or images of where people are. I think you've got to talk to them. But I think I, I think most people are that are that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think you just got to get to know people. We have to see it to know each other. I do notice that that's a major focus that it seems uh, through all of what you do, it seems that people bring the, being the primary focus. I mean, you might talk about how technology and innovation are changing things. You may talk about how this company is doing this or geopolitical situations are doing that. But it always seems to come down to you to working directly with people and people working with each other. Something that I find missing from environmental action because people focus on uh, technology and scientific results. But I think it really comes down to people. And am I reading you right? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's, um, you know, it's probably a very obvious thing to say or whatever, but, you know, people drive everything, right? I mean, obviously, we are in the midst or early days of a huge technology disruption, and our lives are being shifted by that, but it's people who are inventing that technology and driving it and figuring out how to, you know, leverage it or use it in in an appropriate way. And so it really is about people and, in fact, leadership. Right, which I think is needed uh, to be able to deal with kind of the opportunities and also the big challenges. So I, you know, I, I think at the core, the root root issues of everything goes down to the people that are working on things or not. That's gratifying to hear because I think most stuff in the environmental area, most people focus, I think, on technology and measurements and things like that, and I think those are important. But ultimately, that I believe that feeds people. When I look at a lot of stuff that you've done recently, like on the topic of capitalism, you've written a lot about thinking and acting in the long term and inclusivity and putting people first. And if those are things that you're working on, that tell and, and correct me if I'm wrong, then that tells me that it's new to some people or challenging for some people to think and act long term. Certainly there are forces against it. And I'm curious, it's one thing to read these things. You're actually working directly with heads of governments, heads of corporations. And I'm curious what it's like working with people when with the people who are facing these struggles, who are trying to follow what you're suggesting, what's it like actually working with the people who are these major decision makers, if I'm reading you right? Well, I think that there there are a lot of people that are trying to, you know, either within their company or their NGO or in their government, you know, trying to make a difference. And it's not easy in a world that's moving so quickly and changing so fast, right? And with constant, you know, attention on every move that's made. I mean, there's less, there's less time to be kind of quiet and, and do your thing. You're just, it's 24 seven, if you will, which makes the context even more challenging. And I, and I think it's, um, it's, it's not easy getting people to do fundamentally different things. No, I think people don't like change as much as we all know that we need to do it. It's better if someone else does it than ourselves. <laughs> so so I think there's a lot of common challenges that people and leaders have in this. And we've got to make a lot of changes in a pretty short order on some pretty fundamental things that we believe in, right? It's uh, in terms of how our system works. That's why I'm, I am interested in how the capitalist system evolves, how we think about our resource usage of that. We never really had to think about that in an in intense way, let's say, over the last 50 or 60 years, and that, but that there's a lot of change happening that's requiring us to kind of look at some of the core operating assumptions of how we our systems operate. 
I wonder if you could share, and I'm not asking for any names of people or companies, but any examples of that in how it plays out in, in one-on-one conversations or in actual people? Well, I think that at least I'm very much a student of leadership. So I had a, a rule of wanting to meet two CEOs or leaders of NGOs or government leaders, two of any of those three categories a day, which I, I did when I was um, a leading in McKinsey so as a way to keep relevant, if you will, to understand what was going on. So I met a lot of different leaders, probably 3,600. And you know what I think is that by far the majority of people are actually trying to make a difference and, and drive things. The challenge is how to you know, balance some tensions about how do you change your, your organization or make your policy actually occur while you're having to also deliver on the day-to-day. And that's easier said than done. So you're kind of you're driving the race car and changing the tires at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And that's not easy to do. You know, you've got, you always will have conflicting views about where you should focus most of your energy, what are the most important issues and so forth. And you've got to make the call as to how you do it and where you focus your your time. And because at the end of the day, you are the one that's going to going to drive it. So there's there's a lot of a lot of leadership challenges and dealing with setbacks that inevitably occur. How do you kind of pick yourself back up and keep moving? How do you ensure you have the right people in the right places to be able to move things forward? How do you how do you keep abreast of all of the of the changes that are going on? So it's a I think the leadership task is much more challenging now than it has been. And maybe everyone says that I'm sure people will say that 10 years from now, but I, but I really believe it. So a lot of it was watching people and help, trying to help people more trying to help than just watch, you know, people make the courageous moves, which often are not popular or have short-term negative consequences that are right for the medium to long-term. And that takes a lot of courage to do that type of thing because you get immediate feedback, which may be in the other direction. So that, those were some of the things that I just I have noticed or experienced uh, over the last decade. So amid all this challenge and the the struggles and the difficulties, you could have easily retired. And yet you, if you don't mind me getting a little personal, you've chosen to stay in this and, and stay a student of leadership and, and take on these challenges. You didn't have to. It feels like there's something, or what, is there a passion driving you that, that uh, keeps you in it, keeps you taking on these challenges? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a bunch of different things. I mean, I don't know which drives more, but I think one is you kind of, I think everyone wants to make a difference, if you will. You want to make a a mark, hopefully a positive mark, and maybe in some small way on the on the planet. And I think there's that phrase in, in, in all religions, you know, for whom much is given, much is expected. I've, I've been very lucky to get a lot of good education, amazing mentors, independence to a large degree. So you should use that, right, and leverage it. You know, because I'm, I'm not running for office or anything like that. I don't, I'm not trying to prove something. I, I think it's more about trying to drive something. And that's a good position to be in, if you will, uh, uh, which to drive things. So I, it's that, and, and I guess the other part, the third reason is more, you know, my view is if I'm not working, I'm dying. It's not that I'm a workaholic. It's just that I like get being involved because you it stimulates you. You learn, you, you grow if you, you know, you're, so I, I believe in growth by 
doing things and learning things and trying things and pushing it. So those are, that's what's kind of motivating me. And I, I just, what I'm trying to do, because I'm transitioning right from my time in McKinsey to doing other things, it's difficult because you're used to doing something for 33 years. I've got a, I'm sort of thinking a bit like this, like I'm a 26 year old, which I'm obviously not, and trying to, you know, experiment with a number of tries and things that I believe are important and learn from that. And then maybe there'll be one thing or maybe it'll be a, a portfolio of things. I'm not sure, but I'm, I'm trying to be relaxed about that. If you will, give it some time, to figure out, but in that's the meantime, really, do stuff. That's really interesting to the country, not contradiction, but the, the juxtaposition of the challenge and pushing, uh, which I think just goes to the learning and the growth that you talked about, but also that that's relaxing and, was it, I'm wondering if it was always that way that, or if that's something you've grown into to find the relaxation in the midst of the challenge and the the learning I take it as rewarding, but the, the relaxation is not necessarily something I would have expected to hear. Yeah. I don't think I didn't, I don't think relaxation is the word I would use because it's pretty, I'm pretty busy. I don't, it's more that I, you have a, it's more the independence, if you will, that you're not, it's not trying to prove something if, if you know what I mean about yourself. And that's important, but I think a good position to be in because then you can be a little more selfless, if you will, right? Let's get the right outcome as opposed to my role in the outcome and making sure you, and my, my only, the challenge right now is that there's, I've probably got too many things in that portfolio of things. I've just got to focus it a little more. So I don't, I don't think it's about relaxation at all. It's about, I get stimulated by, you know, it working on issues, working with other people, and then it's a matter of sort of figuring out where are the areas where you can, you know, maybe provide the most leverage, if you will, on something. So that, that's kind of how I'm thinking about it. I appreciate you sharing about your personal life because, or not personal life, but what you're just sharing. I think that's an important part of leadership. And, and, and that's what I want to bring my listeners. And part of it also, I think what you're saying harkens back to something you've shared many times about when you were up for, I think, your third time to make partner that you switched from simply box checking and, and doing and jumping through other people's hoops into deciding for yourself, what was my vision, my goals, what you wanted to do for yourself. And it feels like that's, this is a continuation of that. Is, am I reading you right? Yeah, I think so. I think this is where you, again, I didn't enjoy that experience at all. I don't recommend it if you will, but on the other hand, it was a gift in a way because it did change my mindset in the sense of I, maybe i I was being a box picker and hoop jumper too much. And, and then when it wasn't working out, it was kind of, I assumed that it may not work out. And therefore I was comfortable with that outcome. If you know what I mean? Some as a colleague of mine, Andrew Grant from our New Zealand uh, office, who always talks about, you know, having the courage of a dead man, you know, you don't, you can't kill me because I'm already dead. So I'm, I'll try, you know, it, it gives it makes you bolder. I'm not suggesting that that's the best analogy, but it's a, <laughs> there's something to that uh, where you say, okay, I'm, I've got comfortable with that situation, knowing that now, what, what would I do? And that's a very different mindset than trying to meet other people's expectations. I'm, I'm not suggesting that that isn't, you need to be thinking about that. And there's times when you have to, you know, you can't, you can't ignore that, but you have to, I think be resolved about how you want to drive things yourself as opposed to, again, trying to market on other people's scorecards. Well, I think this is a critically important view in the area of the environment. 
in, in the following way that over and over again, I talk to people who care about the environment, want to do something about it, and overwhelmingly say, but I really want to get ahead and that's going to be a distraction. And if I don't, if, you know, I have to make partner, I have to move ahead or I have to do this. And I try to bring people who are leaders in the area of the environment who specifically did not do that and then became big leaders in their fields, specifically because they're addressing a need of global demand, but also because they were addressing what was very important to themselves and that internal motivation. I think the mix of people acting what they care about and then plus global demand, I think is going to, at this day and age, with front page news being as it is, I think that's a more effective or quicker route to a meaningful leadership role than to keep jumping through people's hoops. Not that I want to say it's, those are the only two options. I fully agree. But it's, uh, I think our education system or how people think about getting ahead, that's a, it's pretty pervasive, the hoop jumping and box ticking. Oh, this is maybe going a long time ago, but is what did it for you? Was it just that you didn't get picked twice and you were facing like, do you remember what, was there any instigating key thing? Of what? Of, of why I wasn't or what elected or? That switched you from saying enough of this other people stuff, time for me to figure out what I really want to do, if that's a fair characterization. More just, it didn't, like, it wasn't like a aha moment. It kind of just slowly, you know, developed and saying, wow, I'm doing this stuff. And, and there, were, there were people trying, you know, headhunters at the time trying to get me to do other you know, wrote jobs. And I remember one guy, but probably, so there are a bunch of different ingredients to it. But one guy I remember talking to said, why do you, why are you so obsessed with becoming a partner? He said, you know, people, many people couldn't care less about that. Like you seem to be obsessed. Is it what, you know, is it a, like an award you're trying to collect? Like what, what is it? And it made me think like, wow, maybe this guy's right. Like, why am I focused on this? It's sort of like, you're trying to get, you know, stripes, if you will, on your shirt. <laughs> And, uh, and so it was a combination of things. And then seeing other people who have, you know, done the things that they want to do, they were a lot bolder than me early on. And so that it was sort of a combination of those things, but all kind of happening in that one year period. Right. And that's when for probably the, the manifestation of it was when I, I moved to Korea, which is, in the scheme of things is not a big deal, but it was in terms of my career because it was sort of moving when things were going actually very well and it was kind of like risking everything because there would be no clients i didn't have a network i didn't obviously speak the language i'd never lived in asia blah 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 and it was, a lot of people were saying you know you, you're pretty stupid i mean i can't believe you <laughs> it's gonna affect you, you you won't become a senior partner and you won't but the more people said that in a strange way the more excited i got it was like i sort of just listened but my body was sort of saying okay that's let's go because I felt again, there was no downside. I mean, if it didn't work out, I would leave and I would figure out there's lots of other things to do and I can deal with that, but I'm not going to not take risk because of group jumping and box ticking. That, that probably was the manifestation of it. And then that's been kind of a view ever since in just different types of roles, trying different new ways that we can work with clients that help them have impact you know, challenging orthodoxies that we have, it sort of just, uh, it grows, if you will, in it. And again, you have people who can help you keep it, keep in line of what, you know, does this make sense? Is it the right thing to do and all of that, which is key. But, um, 
that probably was the manifestation, was the move to Asia, kind of into the unknown. And again, in the scheme of things, it's probably a chicken crap risk. But for me, it was a big deal. Well, if it's okay with you, I'm going to use you as an example of someone who exited from simply jumping through hoops, examined what was important to him, acted on it, and through the action found that he'd made the right decision for himself and that propelled him to, I think, some measure of business success. Is that okay if I characterize you that way? Yeah, yeah I'm pointing yeah, to the recording. I so I, got, I, don't know, I don't know about the latter, but definitely the former. Yeah, for sure. And something that I'd like to ask, and this is one of my favorite parts of this podcast, because when I first started asking people this question, I really thought they were going to answer the same as I would, which is, and if you don't mind my asking you, when you think about the environment, what does the environment mean to you? Because, I, I mean, that seems to be one of the big issues of the day. Yeah, it's one of the single biggest issues today because we're in the process of, of severely damaging our environment. And it's, again, one of these long-term issues that in, there's a lot of short-term inaction not happening, right? Because we don't see the consequences, but mm-hmm. we're going to see them. And we are starting to, obviously. So I'm, I'm very concerned about that. And I think anyone who has particularly has children or nephews or nieces or grandchildren, you know, if you're not thinking about this, I don't, I don't know what planet you're on because it's going to affect their life or affecting their lives. You know, one thing I try and do, I, I, you know, I'm a big believer that climate change is happening. You'd be surprised at the number of people that don't believe that's the case. But one of the questions I like to put to them is said, well, why don't we have a discussion about this on video that your grandkids can listen to you know, 30 years from now, how do, how do you feel about that? Um, because we got to make it personal and real. And, um, and it's a very difficult thing to change because of the collective action that's required and changing the way we have to do things. But uh, again, it's one of these areas where I'm hopeful with technology and good policy that we price carbon properly, that we, we account for the natural capital that we're using I, I'm you know I'm involved with the International Integrated Reporting Council which has the sort of six capitals it's not just financial capital it's you know human capital but particular natural capital you know we all of us have to sort of account for how we're using that or affecting it and so there's a lot of change that has to has to happen faster than it actually is happening so that's why I'm quite concerned feeling inspired do you like hearing others acting that you're not alone? Go to joshuaspodek.com slash podcast to hear other interviews, but even more valuable, join the growing community of people who care enough to act, not just talk. Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more, and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. It's gratifying to hear about the concern at these top levels of business and government. And talking about the strategies and the need for change, if you don't mind my pressing a bit, if the strategies emerge from a caring, and I'm curious, what's like, what do you think about when you think about it? I mean, for some people, it's very different for different people. You know, some people, it's like the apple orchard that they grew up next to when they were a kid or some dystopic future that they were concerned about or swinging with a dolphin sometime. And a lot of times there's an image or, or like an emotion that comes out that I, I'd like to bring to my audience. And Well, I, I think of it more just as for, for 
you know, my kids and nieces and nephews, my family, what, what life, you know, they're kind of, you know, innocent people coming into the system and they're going to have to deal and live in the consequences of what we have left. That's how I, that's, that's how I personalize it. It's not, I, I can think of the lots of, you know, canoe trips and places and how that, but what drives me more is what it means for future generations. And by the way, it's not just my own kids. It's when I see, you see a baby on a flight or, you know, in a pram that someone's walking. Think about that, what the environment's going to be like, the planet's going to be like for that person when they're your age. That's, that's kind of what sort of pops in my mind all the time. It's more about there are innocent people that are going to have to live with the consequences of what we have not done. And it's not, it's this century. It's not two centuries from now. So that's, that's kind of how I personalize it, if you will. I mean, that sounds very personal, both because your family, but also I hear compassion when you speak about the future generations that are not your direct relatives and this concern about the timescale that you, a lot of people think it's, yeah, they have this idea of like, yeah, yeah, sometime later, but it's the people that are living today are going to bear the brunt of our actions. So something that I ask people, and we can edit this out if it doesn't fit, but I ask people if they're interested, based on what they care about, based on what the environment means to them, if they're willing to think of something to act on something that they care about, because I think that action is is very important. And for, you know, I think it's very important for leaders to share something that they do. And a lot of people, when I say this, they think, oh, what's the biggest thing that I could do? Or what's the most important thing that I can do? And I don't mean that. It's not necessarily doing something huge, but just something acting on their values. Because I think that people at home feel like there's a big feeling out there. If I act, but no one else does, then what I do doesn't matter. Things like that. And I want to bring to them that people do act on these things and, and they like it. And I wonder if you're game for something to come up with something like that. Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. I think there's something everyone should do, even if you are, this is just my own personal view, but if you are even if you're a leader that has a lot of levers that you pull and that's good and you should obviously use those levers um, because leadership is fleeting in the terms of the amount of time you have to do it. So get on it and do it. But more importantly, I think is kind of what you do day to day. And I, I don't want to hold myself out in any way as someone who knows how to, you know, that, that does things right. There are many things I do that damage the environment. I mean, I fly around a lot. It's, I'm burning the plant. You know, that's not so, so I, don't, I don't want to give some sense that I am a monk-like person that does it. But there are certain things I try and do. Like I, it's just in the day-to-day. Like when I'm, I'm in a hotel, I'm very conscious about the number of towels I use. Just re- what are small things that you can do? Are you going grocery shopping? I don't try and ever use plastic bags, right? I'll, I'd rather, I'll bring a bag. And again, this is really minor stuff, but I think if you, you don't try and have some habits that's kind of reinforce it every day, it doesn't, you won't do as much. It helps reinforce it. So being a little more grounded, I think is, is important and how you personally use resources, right? So I think there's something one can do The one thing I've been thinking about, I've done nothing on it, but I, because I'm traveling a lot, I do a lot of laundry and I'm, I'm stunned at the amount of plastic paper and so forth that's put around laundry. This sounds like a very, you know, 1% type thing to be talking about their laundry in hotels, but it's that stuff like, okay, what am I doing to talk to 
various hotel chains that I said to the guys, why are you, surely you can use less resources when people do this. What are you doing? And again, that's not going to change the world, but those little, little acts of leadership, tiny little acts of leadership where you say, I don't want this, or I won't accept this, or you need to change it, or here's how you might do it, or whatever in the day-to-day, I think can add up to make a difference and I think make you more resolved to do bigger things. And thinking a bit about how consistent or inconsistent is your talk versus your walk. And again, I'm, I'm saying to you, I'm not anywhere near as consistent as I should be. And so that's something to think about, right? So what do you do to try and mitigate that or deal with it? I think the most important thing is not just to talk about it. There's talks cheap. Lots of people talk. What are you going to do? And again, the smallest thing is good. <laughs> so, so do something small. Anyhow, that, I don't know if that makes any sense or not. It's probably very obvious, but that's sort of how I try and think about it. My little micro things that one can do help. I think what you said is incredibly important. I think it's very opposite of obvious to most people. One of the things I say a lot is that if you don't do the little things, a lot of people think like straws, what difference does that make? But if you don't do the little things, it's difficult to get to the big things. Whereas if you do the little things, the big things become less big in comparison. And while a lot of people say, some people say these little things add up. Personally, I think that the second effect that you described of the little things lead you to the big things and action as opposed to just talk is the biggest effect. If you just do something, then it will lead you to do more things. And what you said, however obvious it sounds to you, I think I don't know, I'm making up some numbers here, but I think an overwhelming majority, like 90% of Americans don't feel that way. They, they just feel like if I, like, what difference does it make? And which is a, it's a sad, complacent feeling that even the little things can make it, can change your mindset the opposite way. Yeah. No, I think it's a, it's about some kind of like self-respect or what the right terminology is, but it's just, you know, it's just bringing it to the individual level. What are the things we can we can all do in our day to day. And there's always something, a little, little thing. And then, you know, feel good about it, even as small as it might be. Because, and not because other people will watch you or say you're consistent. It'll just make you feel better and you'll be more resolved to do bigger things, I think. This notion of being grounded, I think, is really, really important. And I, again, I say this, but not, you know, living it in the way I'm talking about it. I just want to be, put, you know, be clear, but it's something I think one can. It's like in some religions, you need to, you just have to keep reminding yourself you're not perfect, but you keep reminding yourself and you work at it and hopefully you get better. I wonder, based on what you just said, and you were thinking about talking to the hotels or doing something about the, the laundry waste. I wonder if I could, if we could use this as a kind of impetus to maybe uh, prompt you to do something on that. And if that were, if you were game for that, to talk about Afterward, even if it was a very short conversation, to find out how it went. Yeah, I think honestly, I don't. I, I, I'm going to do stuff. I don't want to do it because I get credit. You know, you get credit for it. So I don't, oh yeah, not feats. So I might. I'd rather. I'd rather just do it, and I will do it. But not. I don't. I'm not. Again, I'm not running for. I'm not trying to be an example. I'm just trying to illustrate it as something. I think everyone should look for something that is in their day to day that they can. They just can do more effectively as it relates, for example, to climate. So just, for example, get on the plastic bags, and that's my thing. But I, I don't want to be out there and be known as the uh, the laundry evangelist. Or <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I just couldn't. 
I'd rather just do it because then you get into it just creates its own. I'd rather just work on and do just do things and not expect people to notice or to to see it. Just do it and think about even eating. You know, it's a strange thing. I don't. I've started to even think about how. You know, do I need to? I'm really into nutrition and, and energy management because when you're you're traveling a lot or doing a lot, you, you know, thinking about that is important. But as I look at it too, you sort of say, are there, you know, do I need to eat as much as I do? Do you know what I mean? I don't, am I, are the portion sizes right in where, where I am? And I just think asking some fundamental questions about how one lives, because those things all, if all of us did that in our own way and whatever got us interested, I think it would make a difference in things. So that it's more just, I think it's our day-to-day habits trying to improve them that kind of reinforce what we're trying to do at a broader level, because I think it makes you feel more, more confident or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Something like that. I, I'm just thinking about this out loud. So I'm not very, not being very articulate. Actually the, whatever lack of articulate is made up for in the authenticity and the genuineness because of it being unprompted. And it's not what you, not what you normally talk about on all the other videos I've seen you on. And just to clarify the, the goal of, checking back with you how it went wasn't to hold you up as an example, but to, for people to hear, I think this came out in what you said, because you've been doing this all along anyway, but to share, I think people don't get to hear that. And tell me if this is accurate, that after you do these things, you feel good about it. I think a lot of people feel like they're going to feel like it's deprivation of sacrifice or pain. And afterward, I think people generally feel if they act on something that they care about, they feel like I'm, I'm glad I did that. Even if it was out of the way or uh, that I thought it was going to be annoying. It, when you act on your values, even in the, or even especially in the face of it feeling like swimming upstream, it feels good. Yeah, no, exactly. I just think if you feel satisfied, if you will, again, I, it's not to think that you've, uh, you've changed the world, but again, I, I just think there is some linkage between day-to-day habits and, and what you do. And it's not even, again, how other people perceive you, it's how you'll perceive yourself because we know ourselves, if you know what I mean. We, and I think that makes you stronger. If there's a little more consistency. I don't think anyone's perfectly consistent. I just don't believe it. But I think trying, striving for that is really good to do it. And don't do it because of how other you think other people will feel. Do it because it's, you know, it's going to actually be good for you. I heartily agree. And I, I thank you for sharing what you shared. I appreciate we're running at the end of the time, but really what you shared, I've not heard from a lot of people and it coincides exactly with the kind of message that I'm trying to get across. I appreciate you sharing it, especially because it was impromptu. I like to ask at the end, is there anything you'd like to say directly to the listeners of the Leadership in the Environment podcast that, I mean, you kind of said some things, but is there anything you'd like to close with? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think that's the only thing I would say is, you know, like what you're doing with your podcast, I, I think it's, we should always try and be uh learning or asking questions from people that are in various different roles, you know, about, because it'll make you better. So I just, in this time of kind of amazing change and volatility where leadership, like we've not seen before is going to be needed, you know, and there's no playbook uh, that's laid out there, really educating yourself on a continuous basis about what other people are doing and how they're trying to deal with it. And there's many different pathways and stuff. I just think is a good, another really good habit. So it's just to, you know, reinforce what, what uh, you're doing with this and that everyone can do it because we're, 
We meet leaders every day in different ways. Leaders are not defined by the title, I think. They're defined by people who are shifting something from the status quo. And that that can happen at all different levels. And so just be aware of it and ask people about how they do it, why they do it, you know, what's challenging about it, et cetera. (laughs) That that would be my, my final comment, if that's okay. It's more than okay. It's great. And I, everything in me is saying, keep this guy on the line, but I have to honor your next appointment. And Dominic Parton, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Josh. Really good talking to you. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you. People who work on the environment often blame capitalism. I think they often sound extreme and don't often hear from them viable alternatives. For an undergrad or even knowledgeable business person or academic to say capitalism has to evolve, it's easy to dismiss people who aren't really in the thick of things. But Dominic is in the thick of things or at the pinnacle of them. If he's open to these things and sees them as the path, that holds a lot more credence to me. If a McKinsey Global Managing Director can see and welcome these types of changes, so can we. We don't have to hold on to what worked yesterday. It's refreshing to hear, for me, someone talking about systemic change, looking toward capitalism evolving, taxing carbon, focusing on people, and his own passion. Some people might ask, what difference does laundry make for someone who flies as much as a consultant in business? I believe that leadership only works when you start where the person is, not where you are, not where you want them to be, not where you think they should be, not where Greenpeace or the New York Times says that they should be, but where they are. That may mean they're not moving as fast as you want, but that's the fastest possible. And you never know when the people may surprise you. Dove Barron, for example, listen to his episode, and you will hear how major changes came much faster than I would have expected. But most of all, I say, look at your own life. What are you missing in your life that others might criticize you for? What looks easy to others, but you just haven't caught on to yet? You care, right? Everybody cares. Everybody has blind spots. I predict that Dominic will outperform what we expect. Did you feel inspired too? Then act. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse. And living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it, but what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating others should act first or making excuses to the empowering I can make a difference and living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.